0: To Ohanga, my name is Maggie, and today we'll be speaking with Ryan. All right, well, Ryan, welcome. And what <laughs> kind of crafts do you do?
1: Uh, so I do leather work, um, all by hands. Um, you know, really focusing on making a, making things the way that they kind of used to be made. No machinery, no electricity. Um, small goods, big goods, custom work, you know, all that fun stuff, but um, all on the leather work side.
0: Cool. So can you give us some examples of your leather products?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I started out um, actually doing small wallets. Um, I I find that a lot of my things are very minimalistic. I don't really believe in items with too many pockets or bells and whistles that you don't really need. Um, I was particularly um, really focused on making a, a wallet that forced you to get rid of all the clutter in your pocket. Just... So many people and even myself having a wallet that's basically like a brick or everyone like calls it the Costanza wallet, um, you know, that that you sit on and your spine is all awkward and everything. But um, you know, it really built out from small wallets to um, you know, travel size wallets to women's bags and women's um crossbodies and belts and you know, just kind of everything under the sun, all with the main philosophy of keeping it really simple and minimalistic
0: okay awesome and how did you get involved with that
1: (laughs) so like the weirdest uh backstory probably of all um i was always interested in doing something with my hands um being someone who kind of works in graph designer on the computer all day long for my job um You know, we were expecting our first child um, back in 2017 and I was really looking to do something that would get me off the computer, but also, you know, kind of a new hobby in between those dad times where you had some downtime where you couldn't really sleep, but you needed something to do. Um, And I had previously thought that, well, maybe I'll just be a car person and bought like an 80, uh, we bought a 1987 El Camino. And very quickly realized I was not a car person (laughs) whatsoever. Um, Big waste of money. Um, But what I actually was interested in and how it started was I was very interested in um, uh, wristwatches um, at the time. And I just really gotten into different types of wristwatches and kind of the fashion behind it. And I was buying um, these old watches from estate sales um, or, or stores and pawn shops that were just very interesting and uh, rebanding them um, so I bought leather for the first time and was just interested in um, you know either refurbishing the bands or just making them look a little bit modern um, and that's really kind of where it started um, and from there I just had a bunch of leftover, leather from the hide and and made a small wallet. And at one point uh, my wife basically said, you need to find a way to get rid of some of this because we can't just like clutter leather products in the homes. You either need to sell it or find a new hobby. And uh, she kind of like pushed my hand into doing a pop-up market. Um, And the feedback was, I, I never expected the feedback. The feedback was excellent. And it just kind of took off from there where we made more things. And and really, just kept it going, um, and that was that was it. it. It really was like a surprise. It wasn't something that I ever saw myself doing. Um, it, I'm not generally consider myself a super creative person, but um, somehow it just took off. <laughs> wow!
0: And so, but it started out as you just making these products for yourself.
1: Yeah, I would just, I you know, I make myself a watch strap for a new watch. I just bought it at an estate sale, or um i found uh, like an interesting thing about like a, a tiny wallet and i was just like oh like yeah let me make this small wallet it would be really neat and you know i post a picture of it on social media and everyone's like oh wow that's cool you made that like that's really interesting and I'd be like yeah i, I did <laughs> like <laughs> uh you know are people interested and uh i started buying more and more and investing in tools and um wasn't really taught by anything besides just watching people do it on like YouTube or on the internet or asking questions of others that I saw doing it and making sure I was doing it correctly
0: wow cool all right let's take it a bit (laughs) further back so you said you don't you didn't consider yourself particularly creative so tell me about like your childhood your young adulthood what were you interested in what were you doing then
1: I, and everyone blasts me for saying but like, you're so creative. That's crazy. Um, I, I always found that like my family was very supportive of anything I did um, in the arts, um, starting in fifth grade with music and continuing on from there. Um, I was a saxophone player and a trombone player and my parents were super, super supportive of my music career all the way to the point where we thought I'd end up Going to college for music, um, we looked at the University of Colorado and and um, University of the Arts in Philadelphia, and um, thought that that might be a path for me. Considering that nothing else was really clicking in my life, um, but we ended up not doing that. I ended up uh, staying and and just kind of figuring out that business. Well. I guess I should say I didn't really see a future in that at the time music and the arts was really being taken away from schools and if I was ending up becoming a music teacher I don't know how much future there was left in there sadly um and ended up you know uh majoring in business and minoring in in you know actually beverage management at Johnson & Wales which is really odd yeah I know right most people see that and go well that's a really interesting minor it was mixing yeah. you know your your general studies in business with a uh a tequila tasting in the afternoon <laughs> or something. And, um, you know, it was all, all under the guise of, of actual work. Um, but I had always continued playing music throughout that entire time. Um, and it, it continues to day. I'm still in a band, but whenever I do something, um, like this, even starting with Mac and Hounds, um, and this is not the first time I've tried to start a business. I always felt kind of that, uh, um, imposter syndrome, I guess you call it, where it, it always, it always to me just felt like someone had already done it before. And it was just something that I was interested in and would try to do. Um, so I guess I'm lying to myself and to everyone to say like, oh, I'm not a creative, but um, I never felt like I was ever taking that step towards doing something so unique that you'd never see it before. It was just something that I liked to do and and would continue doing it for the fun of it.
0: Okay so you said that you know your parents are very supportive were they also creative themselves
1: no absolutely not actually it's funny um both of them have no idea where the music came from like how how like i ended up playing music um and and being i guess minorly good at it um it was always just something that they've always supported whether it was lessons for a short period of time or me giving lessons um you know in high school and college to other uh children younger children or asking me to like play things or having my band play at like family parties um they were just into it and, and it wasn't just my it was my entire family it was always something that everyone extended family would talk about which was always oh. interesting. Um, yeah. You know, the videos from music festivals and and winning jazz festivals always went out to the family to see. And, um, yeah, they were very, very supportive. And I do have some, you know, some aunts in mine in particular that were very creative, um, but generally within the uh, the tight family, uh, myself and uh, my younger sister, uh, Caitlin, um, who has um, an incredibly in, in my mind, she is far, far more creative um, than me and the work that she does um, with paper um, is, I I don't even know how she does it, but like I always see her stuff and like very clearly that the creativity um, should have been placed on her and not on me.
0: (laughs) And so if it didn't come from your parents, how did you get involved with music?
1: Oh, that was a school, that was a a fifth grade, you know, you can start renting instruments for music class if you're interested and uh you know it's just something that my mother was like all right do you want to play an instrument like yeah I want to play the drums and like got a drum and you know did it for a year and it was kind of like all right well the drum isn't working do you want to try something else <laughs> but I wouldn't say like I'm 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 great at I'm only great at certain things musically uh brass instruments woodwinds but don't ask me to like keep a rhythm or play a string instrument it's you know I I was very only really good at like certain certain things but uh know we transitioned from the drum and she got me a saxophone and it just kept going um in high school they said you had too many saxophones are you (laughs) interested in like playing a trombone we're happy to like give you one like in order to do so and uh i was like yeah okay i can see that and from there you know i was in the top of the jazz you know class whatever you want to call it you know all four years and Um, you know, it was actually a very, very good, well-renowned program in the state of Rhode Island for a public school. Um, And then from there, I kind of teetered off and then went into like a little bit more of a a reggae punk side as an adult and taking it a little less seriously. But I I realized that um, for me, it wasn't about uh, learning more and becoming a master at the craft and Um, you know, that stuff just didn't do anything for me. Like becoming the best of the best was not something that was in my plans. Um, and that I really only wanted to do it for for fun and and to make myself happy. And and that's kind of the same thing with this business, is more of like, I'm not interested in becoming the best of the best and doing, you know, I'm interested in doing my own thing and making what I want to make and doing doing that very, very well. Um, you know, and I think some super professional people would pull some of that apart. Um, but for me, this isn't about anybody else besides me being happy and doing something that I enjoy doing, you know, with my spare time.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you decided that music and like teaching music wasn't well, like teaching music as a profession in your career wasn't in your future. So why did you decide to go for business in college?
1: I wish there was a better answer to that, besides the fact that my mother worked there and, and tuition was free. I didn't. Okay. <laughs> we were, you know, my my, my parents were divorced. Um, so a single mother, two kids, um, college w- and and my, my younger sister was also much brighter than I was. I think it was <laughs> actually really um, surprising to my parents when the high school diploma came in and they're like. Oh my God, you actually did it. Like, (laughs) what a surprise. Um, Whereas my sister was like accepted to Brown, like, (laughs) you know, and ended up at Penn state, but like, um, it was really more of, well, if I'm not going to go into music um, I guess I really just kind of have a passion for uh, public speaking and talking to people and could be really good at business. And at that point I had actually tried an apparel company, um, you know, and and it went okay. It wasn't anything crazy. And I, I I don't know if I was super invested in like your own uh, company. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yep. I had, I had made like t-shirts, you know, slogan t-shirts, streetwear kind of thing. And you know, why not? I'll give it a shot. And yeah, (laughs) um, I think that something outside of the creativity or at least the music piece that my, my parents definitely saw was, um, a business acumen, like it just a, a, a willingness to like get out there and, and talk to strangers. And it kind of played into, you should probably think about marketing. And that's kind of how I landed in marketing. Um, and so that's kind of how I ended up studying that. And and the, the beverage management side was more of just an interest in, um, I wasn't interested in food per se, but I was definitely interested in like how things were made. Um, And that was a new minor for the school at the time. And one of my professors was teaching it and um, I took a class um, and the first class was actually about water and just like the differences in types of water and why water tastes the way it does. And, you know, and I was like, I can get behind this. I'm like, this is actually really neat. (laughs) Um, and, And that ended up, you know, getting me into my first internship, which led to my first job in that industry. Um, which I absolutely loved at the time and actually went back and did seminars at Johnson and Wales as like a guest lecturer um, for many years.
0: Yeah. And, and what was your first job then out of college? Uh, so like, I actually, after
1: the um, as, a, <laughs> uh, as a senior, I took an internship with um, Harpoon uh, Brewing, um, which okay. is a brewing company out of, out of Boston. And I was working in their marketing and events department as an intern um and I was there for seven months um as a free intern um which at the time when you're 21 and you're only getting paid in beer is actually probably the dream for most people um it was just like I didn't mind I actually at one point they were like well you know to be fair your internship time is up and I said well I'm not leaving until you (laughs) hire me um I've got nothing else to do and uh they were like that's fair you can stay um and I stayed for a few more months and then they approached me and said, we have an opening, you know, and, and we'd love to have you stay, but it's not in the marketing side. Um, We'd love to have you more on the distribution and sales side out, out talking to restaurants. And uh, I was like, well, if that's the only thing that I can do right now, then I'd happily take it. Um, Ended up working as a uh, distribution um, marketing rep for um, Cambridge and Boston and really kind of getting my feet wet in, in, the sales and marketing of, a, of beer at that point.
0: <laughs> cool, that's so awesome. So, yeah. how are you still involved with music throughout college and then during this first job?
1: Oh, there, oh, that that entire time, you know, through the last two years of college, through this job, um, I'm playing trombone in a band. You know, it's the early 2000s and. We're playing ska music just like the 90s told us was cool and uh (laughs) you know it was it was uh the first job was actually really great because working at a brewery um you do get some of those benefits of like a small company culture that's really hip and they'd say like hey i'm I'm traveling this weekend we're gonna go play a show in buffalo uh we're gonna drive out to buffalo i'm gonna be back late monday and they're like yeah go have fun here's a case of beer like go spread the word and like you know, so so they were like really cool with that, and uh, we recorded a couple albums at that at at that point, and we were just kind of playing wherever on the East Coast and traveling, and um, throughout that, you know, I'm still playing. You know, we played in that band for almost nine years. Um, uh, you know, um, I mean, outside of the pandemic and not having practice for over a year now, I assume we're still a band. But you know, um, I've what's I've, the
0: band called?
1: Uh, so that band was called Shorthanded Goal, is probably the one that most people would know me from. Um is short-handed. Company. Sorry. Shorthanded goal. Kind of like hockey. It's a hockey term.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Um uh but now it's kind of more of like a fun thing as get older. Um, we got rid of the horn section. I'm actually singing in in a new group and I'm oh. doing like, um, you know, so occasionally I'll get someone who emails or messages me on Facebook and says hey man do you still play horns we're doing this like soul thing and we need like a horn section to record this and you know I'll, I'll break it out and 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 record like a, a horn line for a different artist or well, you know, okay. asking for it and guests on their album um, but it's just something I you know it's it's a good stress relief to just go and kind of either play for an hour or like yell into a microphone for an hour <laughs> Um I it's uh, incredibly cathartic. Um and uh you know just to have something to call your own is probably one of my more proud things that I have like six or seven CDs that I own that I'm huh. on <laughs> that that is yeah. my band.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Great. So so how long were you at the brewery for Harpoon?
1: So I was at the brewery for Five years or five or six years in different roles um, with them, I eventually became the the territory marketing manager for the state of Rhode Island. So anything that happened with Harpoon in the state of Rhode Island, I'd be in charge of whether it was going around and talking about the beer or doing events at night or, or, you know, one time we put together this really cool like haunted house tour with some of like the more, um, the more loyal fans of harpoon we actually we did one where we kayaked up the providence river from fish co all the way all the way to the west side as like a neat event um you know so that was me i eventually um left the brewery um kind of looking for something a little bit more healthy than drinking a bunch of beer during the day um, <laughs> and i got into um higher ed at that point which may seem like a strange transition but was not as crazy a transition as most people think it is
0: okay and tell me about that what how are you involved with that
1: um, so at that point I was looking to get my master's degree and from my experience working at a college is the best way to get it without having to pay for it as I did <laughs> with my undergrad um, so I started looking into, at that point, I was lecturing at Johnson & Wales um, every once in a while, um, talking about beer pairings and, and food, food and beer and how it all works and how it's brewed and made. Um, so I had talked to the admissions department there and said, I, I'd love to like find out more. My professors here that I know said I would be great in an admissions role. I don't know much about it. Um, and I interviewed with their vice president for admissions and he was like, yeah, he's like, you would be really good at this, but I don't have any positions for you right now. No. He's like, I'm happy to like connect you with some people. Um, so I just started applying um, to different roles at different universities. Um, we actually, I, I had an interview at a, at a school in Tennessee and they brought me out and they're just like we're just wondering what someone who works at a brewery would want to do in higher ed and they're like we're actually from Boston and we know Harpoon very well oh wow and, and I was like oh cool they're like yeah like so w- what are you doing <laughs> and I'm like well you know here's what I'm looking for um and they said they're like yeah, oh, we can't hire you but it was really nice meeting you <laughs> like okay thanks <laughs> um, I eventually got that call um where I was offered a job as uh, an assistant director of admission at um, Assumption uh, College, then now Assumption University, um, and started my MBA in marketing at Assumption while working full-time doing admissions work with them, um, which I absolutely fell in love with. Um, It was such a more rewarding experience to go out and talk to students about going to college and the benefits of like why you should be thinking about college not necessarily where you should be thinking about that's that's super important but to me I barely made it of high school I wouldn't have considered myself to be a star student whoever thought college was important in the first place um, and how much it changed my life because um, college was just an experience that turned me like I, I went from being one of the worst students in my high school to, be, to graduating at the top of my class um, you know in college because it was finally something I was interested in doing and being able to share that story, you know, as well as the you know, you can usually get the kid, I want to play music in college. And I'm like, Well, we need to have the talk on. Is this like a passion of yours? Do you want to learn music more, or do you just want to play music? Because I can tell you the difference between the two personally. Yeah. Um, but between you know, that and and you know, every year reading a thousand college applications and like you would get these incredible stories of kids and what they've been through with their lives, and in, it was um, it was moving. Like to read some of these college applications and and what they had been through, and why college is so important to them. Um, that I absolutely loved um, the nature of the role and traveling. Like I, it was it was really great because I traveled all over the country to do this job, um, and I found out that I was actually really good at it and I stayed with Assumption through my master's degree um, for about three and a half to four years um, before I took a role closer to home at um, Bryant University. Um, doing home the being same- Rhode was that?
0: Home being Rhode Island still?
1: Home being, yeah, home being, I you know, was working in Worcester driving. Uh, I, I was living in Warwick, Rhode Island and driving to Worcester every single oh day. Oh my goodness. Years. Yeah, or four years. So um, it was just, you know, we were at that point, we were expecting our first child and having an hour and a half commute every day was just not something that we thought would be feasible anymore. Okay. Um, and there were some other things. I and, mean, you know, I, I, I talked to my boss and he connected me with somebody at Bryant um, and I ended up uh, moving roles to Bryant University and doing the same thing with them um, for a little while, um, before I ended up in the wall. I, I am as, um, I'm at today where I left admissions, but still working in higher ed for uh, a nonprofit here, uh, actually dealing with the arts, which was kind of the best of both worlds for me. Um, so now I, I, I work for a nonprofit dealing with many, uh, art schools and, um, I get to do kind of the thing I love with higher ed, but I'm not particularly attached to any one college, um, You know in particular you know kind of espousing just the um, importance of art and design education and that you know it's more than just what people think it is and kind of busting the myth of the starving artist um, for parents um, you know and that there's so much more to just than painting and sculpture there's toy design there's automotive design um, there's UX, there's branding, like the, everything that you've touched has been touched by a designer or an artist. And, you know, we need to get that word out that these are not majors that you can just brush off your shoulder as something that you, you can't consider because you won't make money from it. Um, which I think that all of the people that you probably talk to here, you know, would tell you that art is a great thing, you know, to consider as a life passion, you know, will it, make you millions and millions and millions of dollars up front you know no but you're unlikely to do that as an accountant as well so why don't you do something you love
0: <laughs> yeah it's great to hear that because a lot of the complaints we get from our artists is that you know art school is great but they don't actually teach you how to make something practical out of it like how to monetize your passion so
1: yeah it's something you know and and again like they're they're fantastic and there are some parts where we get there are some schools that are better than others at it for sure um and there are some times where I visit these schools and I'm just like man I really should have studied like this this looks awesome um but yeah it's it's kind of one of those things where it's more about like opening your minds to to make something new to design something new to think more about the Um, what we call like the ideation process or the design thinking process of, of listening about the problem, creatively thinking about the problem, testing the problem, rethinking the problem until you have something that works, Um, which was certainly something I did here at Mackinac when designing, you know, the smallest wallet was just like, okay, well, this doesn't fit enough cards or this isn't big enough, or something got broken in there for some reason, because I sat on it wrong. And Um, yeah, no, I mean, we, we think that those majors are completely important. Um, of course, I always, um, espouse the importance of a liberal arts education with the balance of all of these things combined, you know, combined. Um, but, you know, luckily enough, we live in a world where if we're not good at something, we can find someone who can help us with those things. You know, for that case, for me, it's financials and I'm, I'm really not the money person of Mac and Hound. Um, That would be my wife who handles all of that um, because she's far better at it than I am. Um, You know, so to those people, I'm just, you know, there are people out there that can help you with the things that you're not good at and seeking them out can really help you make you better at what you do. So you don't have to focus on the things you don't like.
0: (laughs) And that is exactly what Ohanga is trying to be, you <laughs> you exactly. said it perfectly, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, so tell me about Mac and Hound and how yeah. your brand started developing and how you really turned into a business.
1: Absolutely. Um, so, you know, we kind of got the idea of like where it started. It was really just in the basement of, of our house um you know where I was just banging away at, at leather and making holes and things at, you know, <laughs> all hours of the night while I, we had an infant upstairs that would just wake up randomly um uh we actually I, I named it after him so Mac is my son and we have a basset hound um, so it was kind of you know I was I always kind of thought it was more of like a, a family thing um uh, it was actually, I think most people realized that we had named the business before the baby was born. We had picked the name and I had started the business before he was born. Wow. So, uh, oh, interesting. okay, so that's, that's where you're funny. gonna tell everybody you know the name of your unborn child. but um, <laughs> it was uh, so so that's kind of of, of how it started. Um, it was just creating a couple products and being pushed out to different, um, pop-ups whether it was at like one of my first ones was at the art sale at Roy Carpenter's Beach where my grandparents have a beach house and it was just surrounded by other people who make things and I put things on a table and if people had questions you know I was able to answer it um, you know and, and that's kind of how it operated actually for, for two or three years was just a basement project that I made the things that I want, and then I showed up to a place and I put it on a table and and talked about it. And I I I still like with the pandemic, I actually really really missed that portion of it. The the biggest benefit to me was that I got out. I was able to like get out and talk to people, which is something that I've really, I really kind of hoped that the brand would be all about. That was kind of that experience where you knew where it came from. Um, the person who talked about it was knowledgeable about what they were making, um, and that you knew where to find them, you know, if you had problems and I, you know, I, I guarantee all my work and I tell them like, you're not going to have any, but in case someone does, I've only had one problem in three years where someone said this broke, um, you know, and I, I could immediately knew what was wrong, but, um, I, mi- I missed that about the business overall. It was more about me getting out there and, and talking to people in really cool settings Um, so eventually, you know, we kind of had a great year in 2019 and realized that the hammering at home underneath the child's bedroom (laughs) at night just wasn't working, um, anymore for everyone's sanity. Um, and after the Christmas season, 2019, um, we went out and found, um, a studio space, um, where I'm, I'm at today, um. So, you know, I guess the unfortunate thing about with what ended up happening was we found the studio space in January of 2020, signed the lease at the end of January, um, spent all of February changing it because it was actually a lawyer's office um, and the lawyer had moved out and like the, the walls hadn't been changed since the 80s and things were just old, spent all of February, you know, upgrading the plates, painting, cleaning, Um, you know, fixing things. And then in March, when we were set to open as kind of a showroom workspace, um, coronavirus hit and we were shut down and we never even got a chance to open the doors. Um, So it really just became a space where I can go and work and hope that, you know, when things turn around, you know, we can get back to what we were doing um, and we'll hold on to the space as long as we can at this point. Um, Luckily, we don't have to lean on on the business to like, keep it open. We all have great jobs that allow us to do what we love.
0: Okay. Well, besides COVID, which is obviously, I mean, horrible, but have you faced any particular difficulties in the pursuit of Mack and Hound?
1: Yeah. The difficulties always—I uh, I find them actually to be more of like a personal struggle. Up um, uh, before the pandemic, it was more of a personal struggle where it was—it was that imposter syndrome that I was dealing with, where I knew that there were a lot of workers and I knew there were people making like people make wallets, like it's not—it's not that crazy of a craft. And I would look at like new people joining and I'd be like, oh my god, like am I doing something like even minorly unique? Why should I continue to do this? This person's better at it than I am. Like, oh, that looks so good. I'll never get to like that point where I'll like be able to match that. And then you see like, oh, there's one, I was just like, oh my God, this kid's 16. Like, this is incredible. And he has so much time on his hands. He's not an adult and he can just do this all he wants.
0: (laughs) Um, We were talking about, you know, your own personal doubts and, and and yeah. how have you been, you know, working against that? And well, clearly you're being successful. So how have you been able to get over that?
1: Uh, you know, and and you just kind of have to, I I had to do a couple things. One, I had to stop following people on Instagram for the most part. Like okay. uh, the leatherworking community is very, um, very, very tight. And I'm actually in groups with 20 or more makers from all over the world. And we collaborate, we talk to each other, ask questions, goof around, just laugh at things. Um, but for my own personal sake, I had to stop following certain people. Like I had to like, and I had to stop looking because just looking at other people's work made me more um, concerned that I wasn't doing well enough or I, was, you know, I wasn't good enough at it. Um, and that definitely helped. And more of it was just more of the self-realization that I'm going to do what I do because I like doing it. And not because I'm looking to uh, make a million dollars. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not looking to get rich. Eventually one day I'd love to be able to like do this on its own, whether it's completely out or whether it's a smaller part of a bigger thing that I want to do. Um, but I, I kind of had to put things in perspective um, for myself and, and realize that um, you know, it is what it is. I can work harder. I can get better. It's not going to happen overnight. People that are better than me and more talented me than me are going to exist. Um, but I should really focus on what I do well at and really, um, focus on the brand itself, which I, you know, really this year had to sit down and think about what is this brand? What, what does it mean? Why is it what it is? how do I tell that to people without being face-to-face with them anymore um, in a life post-markets for the last year and a half, Um, you know, and that was kind of um, a lot of the struggles that we faced originally and and continue to face because I don't think anyone ever nails their brands um, 100% and then moves forward and has the perfect brand. You know, it's something that's always evolving that you need to tweak
0: okay so on that note what do you want your products and your brands to mean to your customers
1: um there's a few things um you know initially when i started i wanted to you know when i when i sent out you know i didn't design my own logo while i'm decent at graphic design you have this thing as an artist that your work will never be good enough and you'll just trash everything that you make because you just don't want to look at your own mistakes so i I actually had a friend, you know, help me and and do the work for me and in the design brief, um, the initial look of the brand itself. I wanted to bring kind of this specific West Coast vibe that um, you kind of see in a lot of these uh, makers, where it's a lot of mountains and greenery and dark tones and. you know everything you think of being in like Seattle, Washington, Montana, in the mountains, and bring it to um, a New England Atlantic um, kind of aesthetic um, with a lot of blues, deep blues, sand colors, grays. Um, to me, I always felt really lucky that we live in this state. I've I've traveled all over the country, and I've I've been just about everywhere, um, and I've you know obviously traveled internationally and haven't been everywhere, but. Um, I love Rhode Island. It will always be home. I, I always tell people it's like a black hole. I've lived in Colorado. <laughs> I've lived in other places. I've lived in Boston. And you just, you never get used to how far things, how far away things are, or inversely, how, um, you know, how much you feel things need to be close to you. Um, provincial, I guess they would say, you know, as we're sort of like, oh, the grocery store is 15 minutes away. That's like way too far. Um, (laughs) so I always like, I, I, I liked it to be related to this New England feel, um, while also maintaining that really clean aesthetic of, of clean lines, very traditional colors in a core product lineup. Um, maybe things that harken back to like one of my smaller wallets has a wave to it and always just kind of reminded me of the Rhode Island license plate, it's probably one of the more like curvy products that I have um so it was a lot of a lot of clean lines um but everything named after you know places in the state where I thought that they would end up being used the most so the passport wallet being named after the airport or the crossbody um being kind of like the fox point wicked and street area Um, you know, and uh, the smaller wallets being Second Beach or Ponog, which the original wallet I made was named after kind of where I thought of the business on a boat in the marina in Warwick, the Appanog Marina, um, or Pojack Point um, with the Pojack wallet named after kind of the place where, you know, my dad would take us out on the boat and go cohogging, you know, off off of North Kingston there. Um, So it was really meant to be more of a um, like a localized feeling to the product lineup, um, which, you know, it doesn't translate well. Once you start leaving the state, I actually um, took a class about it in Washington, D.C. And everyone was like, why do you call this second beach? That doesn't really make any sense. Is there something with a beach? And I said, well, you know, if you're from Rhode Island, you may understand so. that, you know, like more of to, to outsiders, quote unquote, it, it would just seem like an odd, name or a collection of letters, but um, to me, they're all things that represent, you know, places that I've been here or places that I love in Rhode Island that I love to hang out in or for specific reasons why, you know, I name them certain things. Um, so the brand itself to me is, is a very Rhode Islandy thing, which is definitely me a little bit more modern, clean lines. Um, with a very a simple aesthetic, which I think really kind of harkens back to like that Hardy New Englander. We don't need the bells and whistles; you just need the basics to survive. Um, you know, uh, so that's kind of what I hope to get across. Um, you know, with the lighthouse kind of being, you know, the antithesis of of New England. You know, the the thing you think of when you come to wanting to bring that Pacific Northwest feel the forest and, and the vibes of the woods to the cliff face looking out over the ocean.
0: Is there any particular person that has really influenced your pursuit of Mac and Hound and your development of the business?
1: Oh, um, if there's anybody, it has to be either my wife or my kid. <laughs> oh, yeah, <of> course. <laughs> you know, it's uh, the, the, you know, Emma pushed me to really start going at it like seriously Um, and in fact has to constantly remind me that i'm supposed to be taking it seriously and you know when i i don't feel like doing it and i'm kind of down about how things are turning out because we all have those periods where you know you you like i want to make this and then you get halfway through and it's not coming out the way you want it to and you kind of just want to toss it in the trash and then for the next like week and a half you sit there and go I'm, I can't, I can't do this now because it's not going to look good. And I don't want to like waste my time on something that's not going to look good. So she, she's been a driving force to make sure that I, I constantly go back and, and try again. And I keep going and that I take it seriously that we're not just wasting our time, you know, doing this and having this in our lives and it taking away because, you know, it's not, it's not always a great feeling to know that you're, you know, doing a full-time job and then also trying to manage this brand on the side when you have young kids at home or I could be at home and I could be hanging out with my son all the time. Um, uh, but I know that when he gets older, I hope that he would have some kind of cool story about having a business that is named after him and, yeah. um, or, you know, being something bigger at some point. But um, I would say that they're probably more of my driving force than anything else. Um uh, on, on keeping this going, you know, and, and keeping keeping it where it's at, at the minimum.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great to hear. All right. I think we pretty much hit all of my questions. So do you think there's anything else that's important to know about you or your story?
1: Um, I don't know if there's anything, like, important To know, like it's one of those things. Just like, wow, I can spout off like a bunch of different things. I think, you know, if if anything, I think people should know that, you know, I really kind of value the interaction between, you know, myself as the creator and the user, and and when I get the feedback from people. Like the other day, someone sent me a message on Instagram just out of the blue, and um, you know, they're just like hey I bought this wallet three years ago best wallet I've ever owned you make a great wow. and you know you're I'm very I'm very to I'm very lucky to have walked by your booth that day you know and it's just kind of like yeah that's why you do it like and and it really motivates you to like keep going and you know I have my re, you know I we only source locally so like all the leather comes from Maine or Pennsylvania Wow. Um, all of the hardware comes from Gloucester, Massachusetts. The thread comes from, from Lewiston, Maine. Um, so, like, I would say, depending on the product, 100% of it is made from local source materials, or even some of them, if you can't get it locally, they're like as close as I could possibly find to it. Um, but for me, it's really about the support of the, the local economy and, and making sure that people can work um, and, and have jobs. Like, I could buy. I could buy really fancy italian leathers and I, I occasionally i do just for something fun if you see on my instagram it's probably almost exclusively the weird and odd stuff because that's what people like to see but um you know i love that but for me owning a business is about making sure that you're supporting community that's around you so whether it is making sure that everything that we do has something local attached to it whether it's making sure the raw materials are local um, or even something that we can auction off for a local charity to support another business um, or give away in support. Uh, you know, we, we recently, I have auctioned off a wallet for the food bank for St. Patrick's day. Um, we've auctioned some stuff off for um, other businesses um, that were, that were struggling during these times and in and, and support of them. And um, you know, for me, the money's not the end of it. It's I, I, we don't do a whole lot here as far as like profits go. I'm not becoming a millionaire off of any of this, but if the end goal of Mac and Hound is to support the community that surrounds it, either by making sure that the money stays here, or using what I can make and what I can do to support the other people around me, um, would be the key thing about the brand that I hope people end up taking away or feel good about buying from us for. Hey.
0: Oh, that was so eloquent and beautiful. <laughs>
1: I wouldn't say that those things are ever really attached to me, you know, as in in a sentence whatsoever. But (laughs) well, I'm glad
0: they're coming out now. That's the whole point of this conversation. All right.